Tattoos podcast, uh, podcast number 118 with me, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm here at uh, studio with John, and we are going to uh, be interviewing um, a special guest today. But before I do that, I want to get through my laundry list for Renee of things where how you can reach out to us, and that would be at askdrstu at gmail.com is for emails. Uh, you can find us on uh, iTunes. You can find us at drstuspodcast.com. And also at, uh, on Facebook, uh, Dr. Stu's Podcast. I'm here again with my guest host, Bliss Young. You, you asked re- me back. You may re- Yes, I did ask <laughs> you back. And I, you may remember her from last podcast. Uh, she's so excellent. I wanted her to come back again today. Thanks. But today is a special day because uh, we have a guest in the studio. Yeah, it's exciting. Yes, and you've not, you just met her. I did, and you right. wouldn't let me ask any questions. So I'm, no, I want it to be I'm, all spontaneous. I'm with you guys. I don't know anything about All her. right, so I know, I know that I have listeners all over the world, and I know that I have listeners, at least one listener in Nebraska, all right? And because we have uh, Angie Hawk here today, uh, she's a midwife with some special uh, information for us about midwifery in Nebraska and what she's doing and uh, the, uh, the uniqueness of it to me is very impressive and amazing. And so without further ado, I want to bring Angie Hawk uh, uh, into the uh, room today. And Angie, just tell us a little bit about your background, yourself. Welcome to Dr. Stu's podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So I have been in birth work since 2004, started off as a pregnancy doula and then moved into birth doula and then uh, received my calling into midwifery. So I have actually just opened my doors recently, so January 2017. Um, I am a private membership association. Okay, so I'm going to cut you off there because this is the thing that was, you know, you emailed me a few months ago and... uh, you're out here in Los Angeles right now, spending a couple weeks uh, shadowing me and uh, going to some stuff. And we're going to try. And we actually uh, met, met the horses and did some other things together. But, <laughs> but it was amazing. But we're going to um, uh, try to let the listeners know about this because I had never heard of this before. And no one I know of has ever heard of this before. But uh, apparently, there's no licensing of midwives in Nebraska. From what I understand, there's certified nurse midwives, right? But they can't legally do home birthing. Correct. Correct. So it's illegal. Correct. Right. It is. Right. Not that illegal. was the word. Yeah, that was the word that you used. Right. Yes. So illegal state. Mm-hmm. It's an illegal state. Mm-hmm. So it means that you can do it. Right. It just means that professional or certified professional midwives and traditional midwives are not mentioned in the law at all. So basically, they're not illegal. They're not legal. They're just not mentioned. It's like their licensing ju- doesn't exist okay. in Nebraska. So. Excuse my ignorance, and uh, coming, I'll probably say this. <laughs> I'll probably say this seven, uh, you know, several times today. Excuse my ignorance, but isn't that a good thing? Yes, I love it. <laughs> bliss, yes, bliss, <laughs> bliss says yes. I personally love it. Um, you know, the the next step for me would be if we were to get any laws in, it would be separating midwifery from medical practice completely. So that would be the only step that would maybe make it better, in my opinion. In other words. Right now, if somebody assists, uh, if a midwife who's certified assists a woman with birth in Nebraska and everything goes fine, nothing happens, it's perfectly fine. But if something bad were to happen, is that when you're saying, is that, is she doing something illegal? Well, it depends. Well, technically, no. But that doesn't keep the state from going after them. We have some well, underground... We have that here in California, Right. Too. We have some underground midwives in Nebraska who the state has gone after. Um, they go under with the pretenses of practicing medicine without a license. Now, Nebraska, the state of Nebraska has never been successful in that, but that doesn't keep them from trying. 
Well, and it can be very destructive, obviously. Yeah, stressful and costly and destructive. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah, it's your podcast, too. Just the language of if something bad... (laughs) (laughs) Coming soon. Um, If something bad happens. Yes. Right? I mean, like... We, we use that language, and I think that that's part of the mentality of, you know, not every baby makes it. No, no, and I understand that. And, yeah. I, and again, Are I, you talking I, appreciate, about I appreciate the correction. I'm just saying something yeah. out of the ordinary happens, and, the, it, you know, the, the, the birth that was supposedly private in the person's home suddenly gets involved with paramedics or right. gets involved with the hospital. Right, right. I don't necessarily mean a bad outcome. Yeah. I just mean that something unpredictable happens or undesirable that you didn't want to have happen yeah. happens. That's Better. what I meant. Yeah. But bad is, you know, bad is a, has a uh, multiple meanings and I, appreci- yeah. I do appreciate that because yeah. I want to be very clear. I'm not talking about necessarily a, a negligence. Or yeah, some, and it's yeah, not always negligence. It's rarely, it's rarely negligence. Yes, yes. Right. And that's true for doctors, too. I mean, right. bad outcomes happen. It's usually not negligence. Right. But uh, we assume in this country that anytime something goes wrong, it's somebody's fault. That's right. just... Uh, mm-hmm. that's yeah. just the so back to you. <laughs> yes. So basically, when I received my calling to midwifery, I knew I didn't want to go underground. Uh, that was an option for me. Uh, from my personal experience of having four kids, I felt like no one was there for me, home birthing wise. And you had to know the right people in order to get a home birth midwife. And so I wanted every woman who really wanted a home birth to at least be able to find the correct information and be able to reach out to me. So about a year ago, I stumbled across, well, actually, I don't no, no stumbling. It was ordained uh, across a phone call talking about private membership associations and or PMAs. And what private membership associations are is basically it's a group of people that gather together who of sound mind create their own articles of association. And as long as they stick within those articles and they're not hurting anyone on purpose or creating a substantiated evil, then they are excluded from state and federal law in those areas. Uh, okay, okay, wait, what? What's a substantiated evil? Meaning that there are... Because <laughs> you obviously said that because that's probably terminology that's in the contract or in, in right. the Right, and in the Constitution as well. So, and basically clear and present danger. So if well, I were I to get, hurt anyone on purpose... That was, a, that was a good movie, actually, with Harrison Ford, <laughs> I think. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. So, um, and basically, these are... PMAs are recognized internationally. Uh, they're listed within our Constitution, particularly the First and the Fourteenth Amendment, um, also in the Declaration of Independence, Articles of Confederation, uh, Canadian um, Section 2 also has PMAs mentioned, uh, European Convention, Article 11, and then we have Universal Declaration of Human Rights, Articles 20 and 23, and International Laboring Organization Convention, Articles 87 and 98. So basically, any place that recognizes PMAs, I can practice in. So tell me another example of a, of a PMA. Okay, that's a great question. So let's take uh, cigar clubs. They're one of my favorites. So in Nebraska, you cannot smoke indoors. In many states, you cannot smoke indoors. But in cigar cigar clubs, you can if they have a private membership association. So they create these articles saying that they are going to smoke indoors and they are not affecting the general public. That is the key to private membership association is you cannot be affecting the general public. Uh, So basically, anyone that wants to join their cigar club has to sign uh, a contract. 
mm-hmm. of yes, I know what I am doing, you know, uh, I'm choosing to do this, and therefore they can come in and smoke in their cigar club. Hmm. And the state cannot come in and say, well, you can't smoke indoors. Well, they can because it's a private membership and they are not affecting the general public or uh, the outside world, so to speak. Okay, so just before the podcast, we talked a little bit about this specific example. And I said, I think in the city of Burbank, they ban cigar smoking. They ban cigar clubs and stuff like that. And I, and I said that all they would do is they move to Studio City or they'd move someplace close by. Did they not stay in Burbank because they don't know that they could be a PMA? Most likely. Because, be- I, because again, it's something that I, I think most American citizens have never heard of before. And that's just the thing. You know, I say it's really the Constitution's best kept secret. If you Google PMAs, nothing's going to come up. Even if you Google Private Membership Association, you will get zilch. Uh, because, you know, conspiracy theorists, government doesn't want you to know about it. So tell me how you found out again. Uh, it is actually through uh, Indie Birth Association. I'm a part of their Wise Women Circle. Mm-hmm. And Emily Graham did a great uh, phone call about uh, private memberships. And that's what opened the doors for me. So I knew I wanted to go that route. Um, it is a little bit expensive. So it took a while to get there. Expensive ha- from who? To set up the articles. Of to the, set up the articles of association. So you, you're paying a lawyer or government or? Uh, actually a lawyer uh-huh. and a specialized lawyer. There's really two that I have found found that really specialize in this. There are probably more out there. Um, and they just do the business PMA parts. Now you could get, go into the personal PMAs and private American nationals, um, which I'm currently researching in, so I can't really talk about because I don't know nearly enough about those. But private membership associations I can't talk about because I do know about that. Um, but really, you want a lawyer to really sp- that specialize in this to set up your articles of association because you do not want any loopholes um, when it comes to this kind of stuff, obviously. So can this be done in any... Any state jurisdiction? I mean, the states. This this is Trump's state. It's Trump's federal law. I mean, it's it's. It, I am like if we did I this. Lo- in, we did this in Southern California, mm-hmm. and a bunch of midwives and I set up a PMA. All right, would we still have to be uh, licensed by the medical board? No, you would not. In fact, this is speci- specifically for people who do not... <laughs> Bliss and who, I are looking at each other like, hmm. <laughs> Who aren't doing licensing. Um, I am not a licensed midwife. I am a traditional midwife. I never want to be licensed um, because I don't like rules and regulations. If mom wants me to... I if a mom we're, wants we're, me we're to work with her and related. she has a breach or multiples, I don't want anyone coming and telling me I can't do that. You know, if a mom is confident and wants me there... You know, and it's a good fit. You know, there's a lot yeah. of out, out things that go with that, too. Um, but it's a good fit. I want to be able to support her in that. Me, too. So that's how, basically, I can practice in every in all 50 states, Canada, Europe, any other international country that abides by the, what I said earlier. Um, I can practice there. My articles mention that I do all sorts of facets of birth, and so I'm not restricted. Okay. And neither are my moms. Or that's families. why I think it might be cool for you, because you've talked about other states before and you've said um you know i don't know if i'd have to get licensure there and la 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 la. so you could do something well i don't i don't again i i don't mind getting a license if they don't uh if they don't restrict me in what i can do Mm -hmm. all right Mm -hmm. the the, the thing with licensing is that they they then they have power over you right you know i've always said this to my kids many many times i've told them as far as their occupations go, and I know that kids don't tend to listen to their parents when they get to a certain age, but but so far all of my kids have actually followed this, and it's not be probably because I said it, because they, they have followed their passion, but I told them I would love them to do whatever job they like to do, uh, where they have fun doing it. They don't care whether it's Monday or Friday, 
mm-hmm. and that um, they're not licensed by the state to do it. Because mm-hmm. I don't want them to be uh, restricted. I don't, I don't care whether you're a real estate agent, a hairdresser, a lawyer, or a doctor. Whatever, when you're licensed by the state, the state has the power to take away your ability to make a living on an instant. For instance, you know, if I get a D, uh, DUI, or you get a DUI, or a real estate agent gets a DUI, or a, you know, a uh, lawyer gets a DUI, they can have their license suspended and their livelihood is gone. Right. But if you work at Nordstrom's or you work in the uh, Hollywood industry or if you work in uh, the Silicon Valley or whatever and you get a DUI, you go to work the next day and, you know, you have to deal with your DUI, but you don't have to deal with losing your livelihood. Right, right. And, uh, and that sort of thing is, is uh, something that we all live under. And uh, look at a lot of us do things like I know that midwives will be doing things they would never do if there wasn't a law that said that 42 weeks you can't take care of somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You end up stripping membranes, you end up putting, giving them castor oil, you end up doing all these herbs and stuff, just because, uh, you know, at 42 weeks, they either have, you know, a small choice of maybe having me come to their practice, which costs them a lot, of, a lot more money, or, or then going to a hospital and, being, and being, having the birth that they didn't want. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you were outside of that jurisdiction, then you could take care of somebody at 42 and a half weeks, and you wouldn't have to worry about it. And you could get a DWI. <laughs> and uh, not have to worry about that either. <laughs> so, well, that's another subject. No, I, 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 I get that. I Thanks get for that. keeping us on but, track. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to say something uh, before before we continue because there's a lot more questions to it. If people want more information on this, you said there's no they they can't Google it. It would be it really so. Is there a website? Is there a website they could go to? Can they contact They can contact you? me um, directly. How, how do people reach you? So there's uh, many ways. Uh, my business is Nebraska Birthkeeper, and my email address is nebraskabirthkeeper at gmail.com, all one word, and my website is nebraskabirthkeeper.com. Uh, so you, <laughs> okay. yeah, it's, That's uh, very yeah. easy. So Nebraska and, Birthkeeper. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. and you can find me on Facebook, Nebraska Birthkeeper. <laughs> I'm very well marked. Um, so find me that way. You know, reach out, message me, email me. Um, I would, or you know, or message my website, or you know, I love Send to a pigeon. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Wait, so did we find out? Did we find out how you found out about this? Did you? Did we finish that explanation? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it was basically, uh, yeah, indie wise, birth. Yeah. Through the indie birth, and but you know, I mean, I've I'm affiliated with indie birth, and I'd never heard of this before. Was this was this a special? Th- that only indie birth midwives know, or well, it was part of their wise women's circle, which is an oh, excellent not a wise resource. Woman. No, well, yeah, not, yeah. It, it is an excellent resource. I highly <laughs> encourage, but it is basically um, a group, and you do pay in a membership, and there they have phone calls every so often, and book clubs, and it is amazing. Um, love Marin Green. If I so, if I feel like a wise woman, can I use the wise woman bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> Try it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, no, I, I, I had a similar thing thing to that recently where um at the mana conference they're doing and like an indigenous workshop and you can only go if you are affiliated with a tribe and mm-hmm. i was like really sad because i want to learn from them you yes. know and i'm like uh i, I don't get to do that yeah, so there are know. these there are times and we get excluded from some wisdom or some knowledge that We'd really, yeah, really you know, appreciate. And, and I don't really have a problem with that. I think if I don't have a problem, right? No, no, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people would have a problem with that, but I, I yeah, think no, that no, I don't have, no. you know, if, if you want to have a no. indigenous club, you should have be able to have an indigenous club, and if totally. you want to have a, you know, a, an all Jewish 
<laughs> all know, women's matzah mm-hmm. celebration. You should mm-hmm. be able to have that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know the um, retreat that I went to recently. No, uh, I don't. In, in Pennsylvania, I went to this women's retreat. It was amazing. I don't think you told me about your women's retreat, um, but I'd like to hear more about it. <laughs> but the thing I'm going to tell you is that we, you know, a lot of times in in these traditional circles, women, you know, you pass around a talking stick or something that gives you the opportunity. It could be lots of different things. Okay. For them, it was a talking stick, but this particular stick had never been seen by a man. They they would put it in a bag or something when they brought it home. So their partners had never seen it. So it only had been seen. Well, it and came from a tree. Touched by women, but it became a stick oh, that they okay. decorated, and you know. I oh, mean, so it once was it got decorated, it was never seen by a man. Because <laughs> it could have so men could have walked past this tree and said, "Oh, there's a stick up there." You know, you just blew my whole cool factor. <laughs> that's that's, that's what I'm I do. still with you. I'm still with you. Okay, good. I thought All right, I'm going to step out. I'm going to cool step factor, out for so. a while. I'll let you guys take over. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> All right, so so we're back to back to this thing. So, um, what's to stop people from doing it? Is it just the lack of knowledge? Really, I think it is. And most money, money, never and, heard and, about and it. money to set and it up. And money, yes. Yeah. Um, really, the lack of knowledge, I think, is number one. Because really, if you look at the money portion in comparison to law fees you could be fighting or legal fees you could be fighting in the future, um, really, it's a it's a minor. Well, how much money are we talking about in general to set up a like? It was around six thousand dollars. Okay, so it's not. You know, relatively speaking, that's not that much money. No, it's not. It's not excruciatingly huge, and that was when I did it. So prices could have went up by then. I don't actually keep in touch with the price. Well, points. I would. I would just think that there's but only two guys in the United States that you know that are doing it. It probably has gone. And up. one is significantly higher than the other. So, um, but yeah. So my lawyer, particularly uh, John. Ellis is his name, and I highly recommend oh, him. That's, He's name, amazing. that's the name of my GI specialist. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not the same person. No, I'm pretty not. sure. I hope not. I hope not, because John has seen me at my uh, at my worst. <laughs> uh, never mind. Oh, I'm all embarrassed now. If they could only see my face. Uh, that's why it's a podcast. So uh, okay, so but but they shouldn't contact these people directly. So again, they can. Okay. So you can absolutely contact. Well, John. I'm going home after this podcast, oh. and I'm going to Google PMA and see what comes up. And yep. then you have Do to it. tell us about it the next podcast. Yep. What you found out? I could Google it right now while you guys have a little girl no. thing. <laughs> 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 so tell us more about the birth world in Nebraska. Yeah. Well, um, from my perspective, it is amazing. Uh, really, we're on the brink of revolution. Uh, a lot of people are just really sick of it because the, most of the people b- actually believe that home birth is illegal. Like, doesn't matter what type of birth you have, it's illegal. And that's not true. Uh, unassisted birth is, of course, uh, legal in all 50 states. Right. And that was uh, the most sought after for home birth in Nebraska because not a lot of women could get in touch with the underground um, midwives if they were even available. Um, so really, it was all about knowing the right people or doing unassisted births. Now, um, since I've come in and I'm not underground, I'm very much above ground and spreading this information of just you can have a home birth in general. Um, it has changed. I've had over 100 women contact me since I opened my doors in January. So wow. women are desperate for this knowledge. And I work all of the state of Nebraska. Um, and you're the only one that's not underground? Currently, I am the only home birth one that is not underground that I know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have CNMs that work in hospital settings. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, I'm the only one that's, I've got a website and I'm out there in public and people write my name on Facebook and don't have to hide my face and pictures. And That must have um, 
taken a lot of courage on your part to do to be the first. You know, it has. People have mm-hmm. called me a trailblazer, and yeah, they, I have are. a group of well, you've people. You've been called other things besides trailblazer. <laughs> I have been. Right? I have. I have been a troublemaker. <laughs> I have some people that are not for what I do. Yeah. Um, but no. a lot of people really? are like standing by, waiting to see if I get in trouble. So yeah. a lot of people really like the idea, but because it's not been tested in Nebraska from a midwifery perspective, a lot of people are like, oh, well, we'll just wait and see how it goes for you. And then we'll come join you the, on the front lines. The underground so, midwives or women who would have wanted to be midwives? Women who want to be midwives mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, it, you know, I would love to have uh, soul sisters fighting the battle with me. And I do have many doulas that are. I have a great tribe um, that are for... Uh, home birth in general and that support me so you know i just keep going at it and apparently you have a very large awesome. territory that you cover too because yes. you're in Kearney, nebraska which is literally Smack dab in the middle literally pretty in much the middle of nowhere that's good you, you told me that in order to come to los angeles the nearest nearest convenient airport was five hours away right because denver flies straight into la and that's five hours from me so yep we... well sometimes it takes five hours to get to lax too from, from uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> from so the west side how far do you travel for births Oh, you know, honestly, I will, if people want to pay the travel fees, I will go about anywhere. So I have, uh, currently I have people in South Dakota. My average client is about two to three hours away from me. Um, How do you manage that with multiple people and you don't have a partner? uh, You know, just by grace. Honestly, um, and I, you know, people know I'm first come first hire. So basically, whoever's hired me first gets me first in a labor scenario. I've never had to choose. And I tell people that, you know, usually just works out, but they need to know just in case it one time it doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, it just works out. And I do prenatals primarily from my office in my home just because I would be on the road too much. So if they're That's out of me. town, um, they do have to come to me. If they're in my local town, Kearney, um, then I'll go into their home for prenatals because, you know, that's easy. But uh, yeah, and then I travel for births and then the 24-hour check. And I have done a lot of prenatals via Skype too, um, mm-hmm. which are not actually, well, not like official prenatals, but just getting to yeah, know the birth vision. Yeah, because you can't uh, do physical they, exam Right, stuff, exactly. Right. So we're not doing clinical skills, but, you know, sometimes they're comfortable doing their clinical skills on their own or they might see another provider for that. So then I'm just getting to build that relationship. So yeah. um, via Skype, texts. She's you got know. a great setup too because she's got a home office. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, she has a separate entrance and people can come to her home. I know there's a midwife in San Diego that has a very similar thing like that. I I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really nice and there's mm-hmm. no zoning issues or whatever. Right. I mean, you're in Kearney, Nebraska. so I Well, and technically I'm out in the country, so I'm not even in city limits. But um, no, it's perfect. The people who built the house before us house missionaries on furlough. So there's a private suite with its own entrance and private bathroom that's right there. And so I just turned that into my office. So it works out wonderfully. Have you thought about having a birth center there? You know, people have asked me mm-hmm. if I would, and I'm not a... I'm not against it. I really like the home aspect, though, of women delivering in their own homes in their own comfort. So that way, they're not having to travel three hours, you know, shortly you, after they had just the like baby. Me. So I mean, it's exactly the same as people have said. Do I want to have a center where people can come and I can do breaches and all that other stuff? And it's like, yes, but I'm a big fan of home birth. Me too. Because I don't yeah. think uh, it's people have you know disturbing you getting in your car and driving to the hospital or driving to the birth center is disruptive. And then also, you know, four hours later, you have to get in your car and drive home. Right. Right, with your exactly. newborn baby, it's so much nicer to just you know change the sheets. Unless you do the retreat center in like Hawaii, oh, where, and have people come and live there, where people can come and stay. I mean, because yeah, 
people can stay what about for, in Nebraska? for weeks. <laughs> I think Hawaii would be really nice. Yeah. And then you could have midwives who come in and it's kind of their vacation sort of, but they can come and do stints in, in Hawaii and you could go somewhere else. That's a good question. Let me ask you this question. Is, say you have a PMA, your mm-hmm. PMA, and say a visiting midwife wants to come and do uh, six months with you. Mm-hmm. Can they just sign a contract and suddenly be a part of your PMA? They can, yes. Um, say they're licensed in, uh, I don't know where, Florida. Mm-hmm. All right. And they can just come to Nebraska. And they can, as long as they join your PMA, they could practice in Nebraska without going through the licensing. Well, there is no licensing process, but... They couldn't practice on their own. No, if they joined if they my joined PMA, you. they could join it. Like my backups, uh, well, I've been trying to find uh, midwifery backups, um, you know, just in case because I am pretty busy. But, you know, they could join my PMA. And as long as they're seeing, you know, one of the members in my association, then that's fine. They're covered as long as they've signed a contract with me. Um, when I did doula work, that was also under my PMA too. So, And I do have backups for, or did have backups for doula work. So then the doulas would actually just sign in to my PMA too, and they were covered. Um, but that's not necessary if they're as a, as a doula, that's not necessary. It was when I was transitioning from midwife to doula. And so I just kind of grouped it all together. All right. So let me, oh, so they, so that it's a legal in Pennsylvania as well, where I just was. Yep. Yeah. But a lot of midwives practice in Pennsylvania, but they don't have PMAs. They just, they they work on the, um, they just, they just practice on the, in the country with the, um, yeah. Amish. Amish. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 The Amish population and stuff like that. Yeah. And, they, and nobody seems to bother them too much as far I as... I think the Amish sound like great people to... No, I'm talking about with. the the, gov- the government <laughs> doesn't know. step in and, and, and yeah. they let the Amish alone. Yeah. And the people that cover them. Mm-hmm. So let me ask a question. As a licensed physician, mm-hmm. all right, in California, not licensed in Nebraska, if I wanted to come and... Follow you. Follow you. <laughs> right. Oh, I'd be honored. Right. Um... <laughs> And I signed a contract. Would I be legally able to? I mean, I guess not. I don't know. Would mm-hmm. I be covered uh, to do a breach delivery in Nebraska without actually being licensed to do it? Legally, no. Lawfully, yes. There's a difference. So lawfully, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Um, legal puts it actually back into the system. So it's not, you know, there's nothing legal or illegal when it's a PMA. It's a lawful deal. Um, so absolutely you would. So I don't if I, know if I, what... If I uh, contacted the Attorney General of Nebraska and I asked him this question, what would he tell me? He would have no idea. <laughs> I'm wow. sure. Wow. So I'm, I'm sure he would have no idea. It's counterculture. Mm-hmm. Because really, if you think about well, it, it's you're actually, not in it's the actually, system anymore. It's actually the way, it, way, the way our country was founded. It's actually mm-hmm. the culture. The, you know, yeah, but it's not, it's not this culture. Right, you're right. Yeah, it's yeah. not at all. So there's a lot more of this counterculture kind of stuff, money-wise and popping up. Well, I thought I was already. I thought I was a bit of a bit counterculture here in Southern California, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but Angie's like got put me to shame. <laughs> 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 she has. <laughs> she's she's broadening your horizons in terms of what's possible. Yeah, That's great. I mean, I still have to pay the medical board, you know, a licensing fee every year, and I still have to, you know, do a lot of certain do things a certain way, and mm-hmm. there's certain things that I uh, that I can't. You know that I can't do like uh, we. You know I have a woman now with chronic hypertension who is bordering on. You know she's on a couple medications and stuff like that, and it's reaching a point where there's no reason she couldn't have a home birth. But ultimately, we're reaching a point where I'm really going. You know I already am beyond the pale a lot of stuff that I do, but reaching a point where uh, even though there's no logic to, as to why she should be in the hospital unless she needs to, unless she really needs to be induced for some reason. Um, 
you reach a point where you start to feel that that internally, you know, that little gut twisting thing. Where if something happened, mm-hmm. what, what would yeah. it what would right. it look like? Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but you know, I think it was really you brought up an interesting point about the undisturbed. Not not undisturbed. Uh, what's the term for it when someone delivers by themselves? Oh, unassisted. It's also can be is undisturbed too. Yeah, free birth. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's um, by many unassisted means. birth is perfectly legal in every state, but yet having someone who's licensed or skilled or has the wisdom or who's done this a bunch of times before being with you is illegal. Like if we're really thinking about the safety of these women, we're putting them in these positions to have to choose this kind of stuff. And it happens in LA all the time. All the time. Because they midwives can't deliver breaches and twins and not everybody can afford you or wants a doctor at their birth or whatever reason right and so then they decide well i guess i'm just gonna go for it by myself and i I know there are some midwives who do not support that but i'm for choice Mm -hmm. and i think if you educate yourself and you want to have your baby by yourself in a creek in a tent uh, on the 405 you know that's your prerogative you should be able to do whatever you want to do well if we're true if we're true to our 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 calling and saying that we we love the informed consent model and we love the right of people to be consent or to refuse then we should be telling people that whenever they come in for an interview you have the option of going to a hospital, getting an epidural, and getting Pitocin. You have the option of delivering your baby at home with no one there. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah, right. actually. <laughs> well, I, I, I think that that many of our colleagues do. Yeah. And even if we don't support it, the ethical we have an ethical obligation to tell people about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I, I just am fascinated by this whole thing. I, I, I I'm relatively speechless uh, uh, hearing Angie talk about yeah, it's this a because mind blowing. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It it is it's it's. It's wonderful, and it's it's revolutionary, and it's wonderful, and you just wonder, like, how is that possible? <laughs> Don't you mm-hmm. just wonder? I imagine that it's kind of like uh, how they felt when they thought that the world was flat, and then they found out that it was round. <laughs> right? Yeah. Maybe. His mind's still <laughs> yeah, blown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can still see that. I that, mean, we... That people th- there are people in Nebraska waiting to see if she'll fall off the end of the earth. Totally. Right. Yep. And there probably are. you, too. There's probably uh, lots of people watching to see what's going to happen to well, you. Well, how long are they going to watch for? I've been doing it for seven <laughs> years now. You know, I mean, when 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 does the statute of limitations on watching fall, you know, fail? When, by the way, when is that going to happen for you? How long have you been doing this now for? Uh, I have started uh, practicing midwifery uh, since January of this year. So I've been only oh, so doing it for 10 months How did you learn? Honestly, that's a very interesting story. I got my start uh, with unassisted births. Um, Really, I grew up close to an unassisted birth community where women actually just came over and helped each other out. That's amazing. Um, And then the kids afterwards, we would reenact the births. um, And then I remember listening to the moms, you know, uh, recant their birth stories. And it was just amazing and powerful. That's so great. And I didn't really think much about it when I started having kids. And a lot of, I had lost connections um, with a lot of uh, those women at that time. But then when I came back to that, uh, it was helping women in unassisted births. Um, just, you know, setting up the birth pool, taking it down, getting them a glass of water, things like that. Uh, that's pretty much how I got my start. And because there is no apprenticeship option in Nebraska, I went to Haiti uh, and apprenticed for a while. And then, yeah, we have been self-study in between time. Uh from a lot of different organizations like Indie Birth, Matrona, um, Birth Arts International, Birth Institute, just taking bits and pieces of what I've can, and um, I am NRP certified as well, um, mm-hmm. and CPR certified. But um, yeah, 
and NRP being neonatal, neonatal resuscitation. Yes. Right. As and we we're talking about in the last blog. And we're talking about uh, you you doing all these things and then you're here for these two weeks with me and mm-hmm. you know you, it's a it's a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot whenever but we'll have lots of time if we're not busy doing births or in the office we'll have lots of time to talk and share stories and we uh, we've gone through some videos and I'm going to give a talk um, well by the time this podcast airs I'll have given the talk uh, in Ventura on breach delivery and I've got another one coming up uh, in, no- in November 3rd I think I'm speaking at the MANA conference here in, uh, Lo- in Long Beach breach delivery <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, then I'm speaking, and then I'm going to Hawaii in the uh, first, first two days of February to speak on where are you going? Hawaii oh I don't know what Just, you're speaking on yeah you do I do? Yeah. Breach? Breach? Breach <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> you know. And by then, I I, was being by, put on by the then spot. our paper will be published, which will be great. And um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is, this is how we all learn. And you mentioned uh, before that, you, you know, I think it was in the other podcast that you mentioned how you like to um, want to go and experience... Birth all over. Birth all over, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Nebraska, I'll start in Nebraska. There you go. <laughs> well, I think I think in Nebraska, I, yeah, I think it's not going to be much different than what you do here. Mm, well, probably well, because I'm yes, not I your run-of-the-mill midwife either. Yeah, so, <laughs> when you're not afraid of birth, you do things a lot different. Mm-hmm. When you really trust and and believe in birth and just let it unfold, um, it looks a lot different. And the way that we practice well, here, let's, in talk, Aust- let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How are you so different, Angie? I mean, how is it so different for you that you because you're not afraid? <laughs> I mean, that's not a great ter- that's not a great term either. But I get it. Well, and because I don't have the state breathing down my back, so to speak, and I don't have regulations, I don't have to get a fetal heart rate check if the mom doesn't want it. Now, if the mom wants it, I will totally do it. And if she wants it every hour on the hour, okay. But there's many times that I don't do them. I don't usually do cervical checks unless the mom requests it. Um, I don't carry IVs um, because if we need an IV, then usually there might be something else wrong and we want to go in. Um, okay, so that, that's something that's different. Yeah. yeah. I, think the, I think the not necessarily, I mean, I think we midwives would are- would never be at a birth and not check fetal heart rates. No, but but I'm no. That's true. But not. I also don't follow, a, a, like a tightly the midwifery, you know, every half hour in the early stage of labor, every fifteen minutes, every five minutes, that sort of thing right, that midwives are supposed to follow. I don't. I don't. I often vary that. And the cervical exam thing. Then no, none of us actually do too many cervical. Right. Exams. But if a woman came in to came in and, and wanted said, to labor and said, "I don't want you to listen to heartbeat." Yes, we had a client like that. Well, she, she didn't want to. She didn't want to listen with the Doppler. Right. She didn't have any problems listening with the fetoscope. Yeah. Right. right. But if a woman said, "You know what? I actually don't want you to do anything at all, unless the baby's born and there's a complication right. at the delivery. I don't want you to touch me. Yeah, I, I think don't that want you, you okay, to. That, you are yeah. free to do that. Oh yeah, we're probably less Absolutely. free to do that. And I do that more often than not. You know, really, I am just there you know, as that support person. And, you know, when that happens, you know, in birth usually uh, happens uh, in the fully beautiful. And I don't have to be hands-on. Now, sometimes I do, or sometimes the mom will want me to for whatever reason. But I very rarely catch babies. Um, <laughs> usually it's the mom or the the dad doing it. Do you carry things um, like lidocaine yeah, and sutures and stuff ask. like that? I do have those. I don't suture uh, typically, but I do have it. I've only used it on my own family, though. <laughs> so. so if you have somebody that's got a t- something that needs to be repaired, 
Mm-hmm. Now, again, you're probably more lenient about letting things heal naturally. Right. And a lot of times they, they will. Mm-hmm. But if there's a tear into the muscle or, right. or in, you know, not maybe, I'm not talking even a fourth degree, but a third degree tear or something like that. You're going to transport those people? Usually. Uh, it really depends. It really, I would really have to look at it. If it's not laying right, um, I can do some of those suturing. I can also use Japanese suture clips. But if it's looking like a surgeon needs it, then, you know, we need to be somewhere, you know, well, where there's a surgeon. The other thing that you can do, which midwives in California can't do, is you could repair a third or fourth degree if you knew how to do it. Right, right. I, I could. So you could probably yeah. take some... I mean, there are, you know, there aren't a lot of classes in third degree or fourth degree repairs, but... But if you learned how to do them, then theoretically you could do them and save your you save your people a long trip in. Jap, uh, um, uh, Bliss has a question about uh, Japanese. Yeah, what's that? What are Japanese suture clips or whatever they are? Well, probably hard to describe over podcast, they, but you can like Google an- them. Are they like ants? Um, they're are they not- like soldier ants that you put on? Like in the Tarzan movie where they put the ants on his shoulder to close the wound? Similar, I guess. <laughs> I, I only they're not you. ant type. They're like a triangle and they have little <laughs> clips at the end and you pinch it and it opens up. And so if you have some tissue that's just not laying right and you just want to fold it together so it starts healing together, um, you can just put those in and you can't leave them in for more than 12 hours. It's just there enough to get mm-hmm. the skin to start bonding together and then you can take them out. We used to have, I can't remember what kind of clips they were, but we used to close cesarean sections before they had staple guns mm-hmm. with these these metal clips that you clipped on and then and they they had like a fulcrum and then you squeezed one end and yeah. it would open up again. And Sounds you take painful. them off, and you leave them on for a couple of days, and you take them off. Might like, be second probably or third something day. similar. So yeah, I don't smaller, remember if they were called Hulka clips or something like that. Is there that was some- more comfortable for the mom than sutures? It sounds com- painful. It really depends. Um, you know, if she's not feeling a lot down there, and it's only on there a couple hours, it might be fine. But mm-hmm. really, I haven't even had to use those on a mom. I've only used them on my own kids when we when. I needed to close up something. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the stuff I only use on my own my own family. If your kid if your kid needed stitches in, if your kid needed stitches in Los Angeles, you'd probably have child protective services coming to your house. In Nebraska, <laughs> you can your kids can fall down and split their knee open and everything everybody everything's fine. I would suture my kids. For sure. Oh yeah. Alex yeah. and I we went to a um to a home visit one time it was a prenatal visit and as I'm walking up the mom is like oh my god I have to go to the emergency room he just split his chin and I'm like wait for Alex to get here let her look at it don't go to the emergency room and so Alex was like I can glue that but I thought she was going to suture it but she just glued it shut but Mm -hmm. you know we did that (laughs) yeah Yeah. do that that's really cool this is is so so what other things that that are sort of uh, your practice would be different than what you think a conventional midwife would do. I mean, maybe you don't even know what we have to what we have to go well, through here. I know what most midwives kind of do, or what are required to do. Um, of the modern professional midwife, right? Um, yeah. You know, prenatals look very different. Um, you know, really, sometimes we do clinical skills, sometimes we don't. It really depends on where that mom that mom is. Um, if she comes in, she's emotionally distraught. We're going to talk about more of that, and sometimes we use all of our time for that. And then, you know, I'm keeping in touch with her. So, you know, it's like, is, how's baby doing? You know, and a lot, I build a lot of my practice on moms being able to tune in intuitively to them, their own bodies and their own babies. Um, and because that's the case, I can trust the process a lot more and not have to do anything physical or clinical to know if something's up. So, Fascinating stuff. This is really fascinating stuff. Um, I wish we had more time. We've actually been talking about this for the entire podcast. And we, I, there's... 
a lot more questions. Maybe we'll have you back. Maybe we'll do another podcast before you leave town. That would be awesome. Uh, I love it how he always says, "Maybe we'll have you back." <laughs> yeah, well, I just you know, I don't know. I don't know whether she'll be. I don't know. I don't. We haven't done Skype podcasts yet, and she'll be back in Nebraska. Oh, but, cool. Uh, this has been spectacular, and this is really uh, eye-opening, and I'm looking forward to hearing more and more about uh, this sort of thing. I, I'm going to do some research. I'll bring it up at the next podcast, what I find, and then you'll send me anything you get. So again, how do they reach you? It's NebraskaBirthKeeper.com. NebraskaBirthKeeper at gmail.com or NebraskaBirthKeeper.com. Okay, that's Angie Hawk. And for Bliss Young and myself, Stuart Fishbein, this has been Dr. Stu's Podcast, number 118. Uh, again, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us at DrStu'sPodcast.com. And you can email me with any suggestions or any comments about today's podcast or anything you want to at AskDrStu at gmail.com. And if you want to talk to Bliss or uh, find out more about what Bliss, what Bliss does, this is how you reach her. Oh, you can find me at um, birthingbliss.com. You can send me a message through there as well. And then on Facebook and Instagram, Birthing Bliss. All right. Again, thanks very much for listening. Uh, We really appreciate the time that you give us. Uh, See you next time.